How's the first week been uh, working on satellite radio? I got to say, Michelle is just a joy to work with. Obviously, she's a legend from her history at ESPN, you know, starting and running the show uh, with Colin Cowherd, uh, Sports Nation, not to mention her NBC Sports Days, for creating the show Get Up. And now she's finally, after all these years, Steve, finally working with a professional like myself. It's very, very fantastic for her. Outside of that, it's great. She's a joy to work with. She's a, Every single day, she's funny. She's uh, honestly... It's one of the easiest gigs I've ever had in that we just sit around and we, we shoot the crap for a couple hours talking sports, man, and it's been a blast thus far. Man. Three days into the show, tomorrow's show four, and we look forward to doing it every single day for three hours, man. I'm happy for you. And by the way, Michelle has a lot of Texas ties. as She was living in San Antonio right up until coming back to New York to work with you, and she's worked with the Spurs on a couple of occasions, and, you know, she's, uh, she's a Texas girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. San Antonio, born and bred. That's what she absolutely... By the way, I had an El Paso caller call in yesterday. It was a blast. Somebody who used to watch me at Chihuahua's game. So, man, it's been... This has been phenomenal. Not only just being on Mad Dog Sports Radio and being Mad Dog's lead-in, but, I mean, come on, man. It's it's a nas- nationwide show. The fact that everybody can call in from all over the place, listen in from all over the place, how accessible it is. I, I couldn't be happier and more excited. And, obviously, you know, like you mentioned, I've been very very lucky over these last couple of years you know especially since leaving el paso the moving to new york and uh doing the whole thing on fs1 with craig carton that's a guy i just owe so much to learn so much from uh you know a radio legend like that it's just uh you can't really you can't really pay for it you can't buy it it's just pure luck adrian i'm going to tell you something this is the honest this is the honest to god truth last conversation i had with cody decker in my kitchen I told him, listen, you're going to leave El Paso and you're going to see your career. It's going to, your career is going to explode. You're going to be fine. Things are going to go very, very well for you. And at the time, Cody was very upset. He didn't want to leave town. He liked it a lot here and loved the people and loved everything he did. But I said, it's, it's all about your job. It's all about your future. And you got to do it. And I'm telling you, it's all of a sudden, boom, that's all it took. And next thing you know, everybody started to see what he's capable of. And now all of a sudden, here he is uh, doing uh, national radio. Yeah, it's awesome to see. I mean, uh, for somebody like him to do this and also be uh, determined behind this and also stick to it instead of, uh, you know, just folding, going back to L.A. and saying, hey, I'm just going to go back, uh, you know, where I'm kind of comfortable. He got uncomfortable in this situation and went to New York. Uh, Hey, Cody, what was that like? What's it like for a West Coast guy moving all over uh, the world, really, and then finding your way here in New York? Well, you, you know how it goes, man. Radio and TV is just such a unique thing. I, I kind of got, uh, you know, during my time living in El Paso, it was all through those COVID years, you know, 2020 to 2021. And I, I had an absolute blast. I didn't want to leave, like you mentioned, because I was able to do radio and TV from El Paso. I was able to do my MLB network hits. I was able to do my, my hits for stadium. And now, uh, you know, when I gave, came back to Los Angeles and was just working a little bit and doing my MLB network stuff from there, you know, what happened, my, my, my move to New York was such a whirlwind, Adrian. It was crazy. I literally got a phone call from Craig Carton, who is, was already a good friend of mine, but I didn't realize how much he wanted to work with me. And I was obviously blown away by that. He, he made it abundantly clear. He was pitching me to Fox and he wanted me there. And he basically said, you're getting on a plane tomorrow. You're going to hear from Fox, and you're my new co-host, and we start on Monday. And I'm like, well, it's Thursday. What are we, what's the show about? He's like, don't worry about it. Get on a plane get out of here. And next thing you know, I was living out of a suitcase for an entire year here in New York City. And what was it like? I mean, it wasn't too bad considering my, the years I spent in minor league baseball and major league baseball, man. It was just I'm used to living out of a suitcase. Doing it for a full year, mm, tall order, but, man, 
at the end of the day, I was on national television every morning with Craig Carton on Fox Sports 1. I, it's not lost on me how lucky I am that I got that opportunity. I, I really enjoyed the job, and you know it's led to so many more. Now I'm no longer on a daily thing with Carton Show anymore, but I did sign a new deal with Fox Sports in that I will be popping in here and there, like taking over the Greg Jennings seat, you know, that number two, number three chair you know, kind of becoming more their baseball analyst that comes in from time to time rather than just being the Ed McMahon guy in the corner of the room, you know? Good. So you're essentially, you are to that show in baseball what uh, Tim Hardaway's been for basketball. Yes, only Tim Hardaway is Tim Hardaway, dude. I mean, I, th- I can't stress this enough. I mean, how, how crazy is it that I was all, not only on that show, but, you know, co-hosting that show for roughly five months with not only an uh, NBA Hall of Famer, but El Paso legend and Tim Hardaway, who I've gotten to know really well. He's an unbelievable guy, incredibly generous, funny, charming. I've, uh, the amount of people I've gotten the opportunity to work with. In fact, I interviewed Plaxico Burris today on uh, Beetle and Decker, and you know, I got to know him working with him on the Carton Show. Uh, today we also had Xavier Scruggs. I've, gotten to, I've been working with Xavier for the last year on MLB Network. So it's been a, just an incredible time being out here in New York. The contacts that I've been able to make, the friends I've been able to make, uh, not to mention just the outrageous amount of jobs I've been able to do. It's just Truly, I am the luckiest guy maybe in this entire medium right now. Hey, Cody, I want to ask you a, a little bit bo- uh, behind the scenes, more behind the scenes. Uh, everybody th- assumes that since you're a former athlete, you just get these opportunities uh, you know, just handed to you. But they don't really understand how hard you have to work behind the scenes and that every single day you got to show up. It doesn't mean anything that you were a former athlete. You also have to develop your own relevance to this show in your own way. Can you talk a little bit about that in particular for our listeners who might not know the process of of going into media as a former athlete you know I was more of a unique case and I'm aware of that like I I got to retire from the situation I was in directly into a national radio job you know I immediately signed a deal with radio.com sports which is now called odyssey and I got you know I got the opportunity to have my show there for about two years and then I started you know, doing other things with Odyssey. I had about five podcasts. I started get, developing a relationship with BetMGM. I ended up becoming one of MLB Network's main uh, handicappers, and that's pretty good because I had all these MGM shows. So it was, it, yeah, I had to dive into certain aspects of, you know, media and sports media that at the time were kind of untapped, and that mainly was sports gambling. And, you know, I had to learn everything about it. I had to become borderline expert in all of it. And now, you know, I handicap a lot of games. I still have multiple gambling shows with BetMGM, and I'm thrilled that I got that opportunity. But to say that you can just walk out of any sport and just walk into media is an outrageous lie. Uh, I, I was lucky that I was well-known enough while playing. Because keep in mind, I, I spent you know, one month in the big leagues, boys. I didn't, get, I didn't become a household name. You should never hear my voice or see my face ever again. Just think how many Major League Baseball players you see, how many football players you see. All of them disappear. You get a couple that pop in here and there, but to actually have that opportunity to work daily in this industry, you know, it takes a lot to get there. Uh, I, I have also the, you know, the past where I worked in radio while I was playing. You know, I, when I was in high school, I used to work on a, a show called Mark and Brian in Los Angeles and KLOS. And then, you know, that show was the number one show in the country at one point until Howard Stern absolutely took over the entire world. I mean, it's. Uh, I've uh, lived a very unique life, especially around media, and it was always kind of a foregone conclusion that I was going to get into media the moment I retired, and I just was never ready to stop playing because I could still do it. It was just at the point where 
it was very clear no one was going to give me an opportunity no matter what I did on the field. And my real opportunities laid off the field. So I kind of did it. But as much as I'd like to say I just got the jobs, I had to grind and work harder than you'll ever imagine. I had to do a lot of spots for free. I did, you know, do a lot of favors. It took a lot of work to finally get to this spot. And I don't think I'm nearly done. I'm looking forward to doing this gig for a long time. And hopefully I'll be bothering you and all of your listeners forever. Cody Decker with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. By the way, you, you didn't mention this, but when you were playing towards the end, you were approached to do broadcast jobs with big league teams. You were approached also to do ma- managing jobs in minor league teams. Yes. Yes, I was. I, I, had, I had a very unique opportunity with a couple of organizations, the Padres being one of them, in fact. Um, you know, the Padres had and I had multiple conversations about me t- becoming a, a manager in the minor league level. They offered me... I think at one point they offered me, actually at multiple points they offered me the AZL job, which is just rookie league. But then, you know, as time went forward, they offered me a high A job in Elsinore at one point, and then another point, uh, a few other teams offered me some double A jobs. And there was even a potential big league coaching job with the Astros that was uh, kind of uh, discussed for a while. But I just, at that point, I wasn't ready to retire from on-field play. And, dude, I just spent 11 years grinding playing baseball. I didn't want to step on one more bus. I didn't want to take one more Southwest flight, uh, at least for the time being. And I I didn't want to start my professional baseball career over. If I was going to do something, I wanted to do something that I thought I could really break ground with. And I really thought uh, the radio and TV gigs were were opportunities. And if nothing else, I wanted to say that I at least gave it a full-on shot because I know what I can do with it. And... I'm excited to keep going. Again, uh, Beetle and Decker is so far is only three days in, and I couldn't be having more fun. How different is your approach to this show compared to some of the other projects you've been working on, both radio and TV? I mean, this show is a little more loose. We try to make sure it's more not. We're not trying to be overly irreverent by any stretch of the imagination. We're just, you know, Beetle's been a friend of mine for a long time. So the fact that her and I are able just to talk back and forth about sports. And honestly, it's just a way for us to kind of roundabout talk about Taylor Swift. That's really what the show is actually about. The core of the show is that we're both Swifties. Well, it's it's working, and that's the most important thing. You both get a chance to do that in New York, which also is, uh, I'm sure, for you going to be pretty exciting. Um, it also means that uh, your schedule is going to be pretty tight Monday through Fridays from now on, right? Uh, every day, noon to three in New York, not to mention morning spots that I'll be doing with other uh, other shows. Tomorrow I'll be on MLB Network Radio in the morning talking with my old co-host, Steve Phillips, GM, former GM of the Mets. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of popping around everywhere I possibly can. You guys can off, often catch me on Off Base on MLB Network. Every Wednesday you can catch me on Live on the Line on Stadium. You know, I'm, uh, I'm around. What, you, you turn your head, you just might pop into me. Good. Well, listen, we've got some big topics that have broke today. So if you don't mind, we'll come back and we'll, we'll throw some of these at you and, and we'll go from there. All right. Let's do it. Cody Decker with us here, kicking it off on a Thursday afternoon. Let's go to, to uh, D. Wu. D standing by. Uh, first traffic update of the afternoon. Then we'll come back and more with Cody as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso. Cody Decker, one half of Beetle and Decker. Now uh, Monday through Fridays, 10 to 1 here in El Paso on uh, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio. And uh, Cody joins us uh, again on our um, Roto-Rooter hotline. How about that? We've got our hotline sponsored by Roto-Rooter. Cody, you there? Yeah, what's up, baby? Okay. 
I was going to say, uh, listen, there's a lot to cover as uh, we uh, you know, spent the first part catching up with everything you're doing now and, and really uh, what the last um, year plus has been like for you. Let's talk about some of the news uh, in sports. First off, we've got UTEP season right around the corner. College football starts in two days. We've got uh, high school to- tonight and tomorrow. I mean, as great as, as uh, we'll talk baseball with you all day long, but football season is here now. That's right, man. Well, at least for some of you, I'm a Raider fan, so the football season seems to never arrive. It's like it always eludes me. This is not any other year like that. I mean, for love of God, I'm about to roll out Jimmy G without Josh Jacobs. We traded away Darren Waller to the Giants. Now the Giants are better, but it's amazing. I'm here in New York City. No one's even talking about the Giants here, and I honestly think the Giants are about to make the NFC very interesting because I honestly think you get that you give Daniel Jones that weapon in Darren Waller, I think the Jets are in a lot more trouble than people think. Everyone's in the love frenzy with the Jets right now, but have you seen their first six games? Listen, I have. I have. And to me, the biggest question with the Jets, as a Jet fan, as you're aware of, will be the offensive line. Can they keep um, number eight upright and and open up holes for the running game? I mean, I like the defense. I still think they've got a ton of weapons, but the offensive line worries me a little bit. It does. And if you have a quarterback at the age of 39 under that type of duress, you know, you're going to have a serious, serious issue. Keep in mind, this is a guy that's been pretty much untouched for the last couple of years. I mean, if he starts taking some hits at this age, you know, you're going to start seeing Zach Wilson out there a lot sooner than any Jet fan ever wants to see Zach Wilson again. That's true. That is very true. Um, So uh, as a Raiders fan and living in New York now, who do you like? Who are your your favorites uh, this season? Will anybody stop teams like the Chiefs? And then you've got Buffalo and and Cincinnati. Um, and, And on the other side, the Eagles and what they did last year. Well, I look at the AFC side. Obviously, it's the Chiefs' season to lose, but the AFC is so packed. I mean, as easy as it is to look at the AFC West, and listen, I, I, I grew up a Raider fan. I should hate the Chiefs, but I simply do not because they're just too much must-watch television. I enjoy watching this team, but if they don't get Chris Jones locked up and they don't get that figured out, this team is in actual serious trouble because if, without Chris Jones, that defense is not nearly what it is with him. I mean, if they, so if this team doesn't get that done, I think the Chargers are going to go ahead and run away with the AFC West. Hmm. Outside of that, the other division I cannot wait to see. I really cannot wait to see what's going to happen in the AFC between the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens. Because I honestly think that is anyone's ball game right now. Everyone looks at the Steelers like they're not much, but Mike Tomlin does not lose seasons. He's never had a losing season in his entire career as a head coach. Last year, he played with a practically full rookie team, and they still finished above 500. I mean, it's, it's just astonishing what he's been able to do there in Pittsburgh. If they could do that again, it's not out of the realm of possibility. They sneak into the playoffs in that ridiculous division. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Joe Cool and the Bengals are just going to win it now, especially now that the Ravens are retooled. But a team that I really am excited to see this year, I couldn't help it from last year in Hard Knocks, man. The Detroit Lions and the NFC North are a team that I cannot wait to see. And also, the, the Chicago Bears might be a surprise that everybody's not ready for Are you not buying any of the talk that the Packers can win right now with Jordan Love? Do you think it's going to be a a rebuilding, miserable season for Green Bay? 
Listen, the Packers have been uh, pure, pure gluttons when it comes to just lucky, lucky in when they get their quarterbacks. I mean, this is an organization for the past 30 years that had two quarterbacks, both are first ballot Hall of Famers. I don't think lightning is going to strike for a third time with Jordan Love. It doesn't mean I'm rooting against him, but you were talking generational QB after generational QB. He's got a lot of shoes to fill. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. It's everyone before him. So to say that this team can just go off right away with Jordan Love, I wouldn't put my money on it, that's for sure. But, hey, I've seen crazier things happen. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, let me ask you about some other teams since we've kind of touched base on, on some of these things. Who comes out of the NFC South? I honestly think it's going to be New Orleans. I think this is a team that's retooled. I think this is a team that looks good. I think this is a team that Derek Carr has a lot to prove. And if Derek Carr is going to go and have one of his Derek Carr seasons, and listen, I love Derek Carr. I'm very upset that he's no longer the Raider QB. Um, I think the Raiders made a – to say lateral move is not even the right statement. I think it's a lateral move and a step back by replacing him with Jimmy G. Jimmy G is just a system QB – Derek Carr averages 4,000 to 5,000 yards a year. I mean, it's just a different ball game. As much as people want to say, well, you know, Derek Carr never won a playoff game, he's only taken the Raiders to two playoffs, one of which he was injured for, the other of which they just lost a heartbreaker to the Bengals who went on to go to the uh, Super Bowl that season. I think Derek Carr has got a lot to prove. I think Derek Carr is going to absolutely dominate this season. And I think Derek Carr is going to be my fantasy QB this year. Ah, okay. Allowing his... Um old Raiders bias to go with him uh, as far no, as Derek No, 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 no. I want it. I want, it's revenge tour, man. Mm. He's got that revenge body now. He's out of the bad yeah. relationship. And also he's got a defense that can actually hold a 30-point lead for the first time in his career. Nice. Uh, give me a sleeper team, a team that's not on a lot of radar but you believe will be a contender. I know I just mentioned it, so it's kind of cheating, but I really think the Bears are an interesting story this okay. year. You know, Justin Fields last year was a quarterback that literally was the most pressured quarterback in the NFL, constantly under duress, and what he did last year was astonishing. Like, I was on the Carton Show all year and listening to how mad and angry uh, Tim Hardaway was about his QB. I just kept looking at him like, I would give anything to have your QB over in, in Vegas right now because I think Justin Fields is a potential star. He ran for over 1,000 yards last year. Now he's got a couple of targets he actually can throw to. I mean, I think this is a real opportunity for the Bears to strike while the iron's hot because, again, we do not know what Green Bay is going to be. The Detroit Lions have a real chance to take a step forward. And, you know, after losing Dalman Cook, we don't really know what we're going to see out of Minnesota Vikings this year. And, again, it's Kirk Cousins. So you know when nighttime's on, Kurt's going to lose. Meanwhile, uh, do you think there's going to be a team more disappointing than the Jets? You're down on them right now. Any other favorite you just do not like this season? I don't know if we're going to see the same out of the Bengals. I think the Bengals have really been able to take advantage of some injuries in their division. Last year, you saw what the Browns were. You know, they didn't really have much to start the year with Jacoby Brissett. Then you saw Watson rejoin the team and look awful. Now, he might come back and actually look like the Deshaun Watson of old after this year off. Um, I'm worried about that. The Ravens look like they are deadly. You know, this apparently everyone young, old, this is a young and dynamic team. And then throwing in OBJ in there is a real wild card because we get a semblance of the old OBJ. 
this Ravens team is going to be nasty. Not to mention, Lamar got the bag. He might not need to run as much this season. This might be one of the scariest teams in the NFL. So that's the reason. It's not because I think the Bengals are taking a step back. I just think everyone in that division took a step forward. Cody, I have to ask you a Cowboys question. The over-under right now win total for the Cowboys is 10.5 games. What do you see there and why? Uh, Sorry, Cowboy fans. I'm taking the under. It all comes down to one name and one name alone, and it's Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott doesn't turn the ball over, it's going to be a great year in Dallas. If he does turn the ball over, it's going to be a nightmare. And again, this is not an easy division. I know everyone sees just the Eagles in front of them, but I really think everyone needs to worry about the New York Giants. They got their hands on Darren Waller. I think Jones is going to be attacking Darren Waller as much as he possibly can. They got Saquon in the backfield. And just the fact that you have Saquon in the backfield and Darren Waller is really really going to mess with so many coverages out there for the defense. They have to figure out if they're going to double up on Waller because the guy's six foot seven with a wingspan and catch radius that outweighs just about everybody in the game. Or, you know, you got Saquon back there who has been one of the best running backs of this generation. So I'm really excited to see what the Giants can do, especially being in New York City right now and everyone won't stop talking about the Jets. I really think the Jets might be eating some crow by week five. So that's, I think that's the hottest take you have right now. The uh, Jets' starting schedule um, makes, kind of sets them up for a tough go. And if something exactly. does happen to Aaron Rodgers and you got to stick uh, you know, the golden boy back in there, then it could be a rough go for Zach. Yeah, I don't. I just don't love what I'm seeing with the Jets yet. And listen, this is a team that could start the year three and three. If they do start the year three and three with that ridiculous start to their season, again, look at their schedule. Their first six games are nasty. If they finish three and three right there, I'll flat out say, it, there you go. The Jets are going to the playoffs, and who knows what's going to happen from there. Mm-hmm. But if they are starting the season two and four, one and five. I might be pumping the brakes a little bit on what I'm expecting from the Jets when it comes to late in the year. All right. Do you have a Super Bowl pick yet, or is it too early? I think it's too early, man. But if I were to make one right now, it's impossible not to save the Chiefs, even though Chris Jones hasn't signed back on yet and said he's willing to hold out till week eight. I still think it's the Chiefs. It's always the Chiefs. It's never going to not be the Chiefs as long as Patrick Mahomes is still alive. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to finish things up and talk a little baseball with Cody next as we hit the bottom of the hour. But first, let's get right back to Adrian and have this SportsCenter update. Much Cody Decker back with us uh, again. His new show on uh, Mad Dog Radio, which is uh, Beetle and Decker with Michelle Beetle, ten to one. If you have uh, satellite, you should definitely check them out. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Before Chris Russo comes on, everybody talking about Shohei Otani's uh, UCL tear. Um, we don't know much yet about what's going to happen in terms of potential surgery. How much time he's going to miss? Big blow, obviously, for the Angels, and more importantly, big blow for baseball. Hearing about this. Cody, are you back? Oh, here we go. Sorry about that, Cody. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge blow for baseball. And all I can say is mainly, mainly one thing. Shame on the Angels. This is, I blame only one thing and one thing only, and that is Artie Moreno of the Angels. This guy should not be wearing an Angel uniform. The organization missed out on a huge opportunity to trade him and actually replenish their barren, barren minor league system. They didn't do it. I know they saw an opportunity because they had a mild winning streak right before the, uh, the uh, trade deadline, but it was completely 
fabricated. Everyone could see what was coming. They were about to have the hardest schedule in Major League Baseball. And right away, they went in a nine-game losing streak, which took them all but out of the playoff contention. They are now nine and a half games out of the wild card. And this team is in pure and unadulterated disarray. It's honestly embarrassing. They get back Trout for one night. He's gone. Now you have this issue with Shohei Otani. And now, if I'm Shohei Otani, forget about what the Angels do. Shohei Otani needs to stop playing this season. And I hate to say it because he has one hell of an offensive streak going. But I, if I'm him, I put myself in bubble wrap, and I get ready to make myself a $600 million contract next season. And that's with not knowing whether or not he needs Tommy John surgery. And that's something that does worry me because, dude, he had Tommy John surgery just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Two Tommy John surgeries in five years is not a good thing. Uh, Tommy John surgery is not nearly what it once was in that the recovery is not as harsh as it used to be. But that's for one, not two reconstructed elbows. So if he's going to get another Tommy John surgery, it's just only a matter of time before he breaks down again. We've already heard what happened with Steven Strasburg. And that's something I'm really terrified to see with Otani as well. But I'm actually blaming the Angels on another aspect because this guy has come out of games with finger injuries. Uh, The fact that he's had any issues with his throwing hand fingers means they should have shut him down pitching a month ago. That's how you get Tommy John surgery. Everyone wonders what what causes the Tommy John surgery, Uh, what causes the tear of the UCL. It's more or less finger pressure on a baseball. Your finger pressure on the baseball goes it creates a direct line to your UCL and your elbow. There's a reason why Brock Purdy got a version of the Tommy John surgery and is already back to start for the uh, San Francisco 49ers because your your UCL and your elbow has nothing to do with throwing the football because your elbow is your hand is more pronated to the way that your UCL is not affected. Baseball, the exact opposite. You throw the ball with your fingers. So the fact that he had a finger issue and they put him back out there to pitch was only a matter of time before he harmed his elbow. So really, this is, to me, a big problem with the Angels. And quite frankly, they deserve to lose him. They deserve not to have prospects. And the Angels deserve everything that's coming their way. Do you think that when it's all said and done, Shohei Otani lands with the Dodgers? Yes. I do. I, I don't know how he wouldn't land with the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers would, one, take very good care of him. I, you see how every single player goes to that team and absolutely gets a new breath of life. Look what's happening with Lance Lynn right now. you got to understand, they, the Los Angeles Dodgers, everyone looks at them and thinks of them as like they're the Yankees of the 90s. Really take a look at that team. Who on that team has been purchased outside of Freddie Freeman? They signed Freddie Freeman to a big deal out, out, of, out of free agency. But before that, they traded for Mookie Betts before they extended him. So they were able to get Mookie Betts with their own homegrown ta- uh, prospects. Outside of that, the entire team is an island of misfit toys. David Peralta was washed up in, in, in Arizona last year. He's doing a great job for the Dodgers now. J.D. Martinez was washed up for the, uh, the, uh, the Boston Red Sox, doing a phenomenal job. Uh, Max Muncy was washed up years ago from the A's. See what he's doing right now. This is a team. Jason Hayward like, should have been kicked out of baseball years ago with how he was playing over there in Chicago. He is absolutely killing it with the Dodgers. So the fact that the Dodgers are remaining the Dodgers with this group of players just tells me everything I need to know. The Dodgers is where you need to be if you want to have success as a player. Not to mention what Lance Lynn is doing since the trade deadline. The guy's got an under one ERA after rocking a seven in Chicago. To me, the Dodgers and the Braves are pretty much the exact blueprint of how to build a successful Major League Baseball franchise. 
It seems that way. It's like these, the Braves just went ahead and developed themselves superstars and then ex- and extended them to some pretty good contracts. That was not only beneficial for the players, but beneficial for their own organization. Dodgers, same way. The only thing that sucks with the Dodgers is they still don't really have an everyday shortstop. They got Ahmad Rosario filling in. They got Rojas filling in. You know, the idea was Gavin Lux was going to take that gig, and then he got hurt in spring training. And this team has been doing it without a shortstop. Like, it's crazy how good the Dodgers are, are, especially looking at their IL right now. Everybody's on it. They lost Bueller. They lost. They lost May. They lost just about everybody, and they're still going on massive winning streaks. They've only lost two games this month. Cody Decker with us uh, here on Sports Talk. We're talking uh, a little baseball now before we wrap things up with them. By the way, the AL West race is a blast. The Rangers, Mariners, Astros, just a game and a half separating all three. Look, we knew the Astros would be there. The Rangers have been a pleasant surprise because they've been able to withstand it despite losing six in a row and falling back in this division. And the Mariners are probably the biggest surprise of all because they've been red hot. Not to me, though. I've been touting the Mariners all season long. I thought this team was actually going to win the division this year. Like you mentioned, the Rangers, however, were a surprise. I was not expecting this team to come out with guns ablaze in the way they have. You know, they've been wire to wire first place. Now, whether or not they maintain that lead is kind of up to them at the moment. You mentioned the six-game losing streak. Not a good time to have it. The Astros kind of playing... 500 ball over this last month and now what you're watching right now is the Mariners going off like they were always going to do this has been a team that's been dominant in the second half of the last three seasons and last year that that second half was so dominant that they were able to sneak into the playoffs this year I don't think they're sneaking up on anybody I think they're showing right up and they're doing it without Robbie Ray which is really impressive so the fact that they're down a full arm and they're absolutely boat racing everybody dude it's feeling like 1996 in Seattle with this Mariners team I dig it Steven Strasburg retires today. When I think about Stras, I think about guys like Mark Pryor. I think about guys like Felix Hernandez. People that were just at one point at the very top of baseball, the best pitchers in the game, but could not stay healthy and unfortunately saw their potential Hall of Fame careers uh, shut down because of injury. Yep, it's it's tragic, but listen, uh, the guy won a World Series. The guy won a World Series MVP. And don't cry too many tears for him, everybody, because you got to remember, despite the man not being healthy for a full season ever since he started his professional career, he's made over $300 million. So at the end of the day, I think he's going to be all right. Yeah, I think so, too. All right. Speaking of all right, I know you're going to be all right. With the show you have now, um, this is beautiful, isn't it? You have three hours a day on the radio. You're done by 3 o'clock New York time, which means you got the rest of the afternoon, the evening, and the night to do whatever you want. And uh, it's, it, there's a lot of things for you to catch up on. How many Broadway shows have you seen? Uh, you know, sports. What, what's uh, what's in, you know, on the agenda for you? You know, I've only seen in the last year about six Broadway shows, and I've loved every single one of them. Obviously, you got to do Wicked. Everybody's got to do Wicked. Even Aaron Rodgers had to do Wicked. Yeah, I saw Wicked. Obviously, I went over and saw a few other plays. I saw The Music Man, which is my favorite play, and I got to see Hugh Jackman starring as The Music Man, which I can't stress enough, maybe the best best play I'd ever seen live in my life. Um, yeah, I got to see Nathan Lane star in a small play. There's a few other plays that are out right now. Spamalot is coming back, bro. I got to go see Spamalot. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about being here. And, and when I say I'm close to Broadway, I live a block off of Broadway. In fact, I go outside my window and I'm looking at the theater where Wicked is played right now. So I'm pretty, 
I'm, I'm in a good spot living over here in Hell's Kitchen. Daredevil fights crime here. Cody, what about movies? What's uh, What are some of the best movies you've seen of the year? Oppenheimer, 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 Oppenheimer. It's the best movie ever. It's so good. So, right. so, 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 so good. It's just, I can't stop watching it. And by the way, I've seen everything that comes out. But here's the thing. A lot of movies that have come out, I feel like have gotten uh, some bad reps. Like, I understand why people didn't want to see The Flash. I really liked The Flash, and I know why some people in El Paso are up in arms about Blue Beetle. I get it. El Paso's not in the movie, but I heard Blue Beetle's really good, so I gotta go see that. Yeah, that's true. Blue Beetle, uh, in the comic, uh, he's from El Paso, but yes, yes they, they, they omitted that in the movie. I wonder why that happened. That's a good question. Will, will we see you back in town? You were in town for a wedding this summer uh, with one of your good buddies. Will we see you make a trip back at all over the next, uh, you know, six months to a year? What do you think? Certainly never say never. I got to get back over to that El Paso Country Club. It's one of my favorite golf courses in America. I want to get over there and play. And obviously, I got to go hit up Carlos and Mickey's. You know how much I love that place. Not to mention my, my favorite watering holes in that town. I mean, that El Paso is such a special place to me. I, I can't stress that enough. The food, the people, just the sights, the sunsets, you can't beat that. And uh, I miss you guys so very, very much. I'm sure one day I will come back. I hope I do. And maybe one day I'll retire back to the uh, the old Sun City. I miss you guys that much. Hey, we miss you too. Enjoy the show. Good luck with the new project. And by the way, will the, will the show contain videos or is it just audio only with you and Michelle? It will contain video as well. A lot of clips are already going online. We're just on week one. You know, we are both, you know, it's an old school radio show. Both Michelle and I, both living in the city, we're both going into the studio every day. Eventually, she's going to have to go to L.A. to do some stuff with FanDuel, and I'll probably go to Chicago to do things with Stadium and other things with MLB Network. But in that way, we'll do some shows on remote. But the goal is to be in studio here at SiriusXM right here on 49th and, and 6th every single day, five days a week. So I'm, I can't stress enough how, how awesome it is, especially working with somebody as professional as Michelle. Um, yeah, it's just it's a great time. Plan on seeing us in Vegas in February because I have a feeling we will both be together Radio Row uh, when it comes to Super Bowl week. Oh, you will definitely be seeing me at Radio Row in Vegas this year, my man. I cannot wait. Have a great time. Appreciate the conversation as always. And again, congratulations on, on everything you've got going on, Cody. Gentlemen, I love you both. Obviously, Steve, you mean the world to me. You know, you're my former roommate. Your family is practically a part of my family. I uh, can't thank you enough for having me on today. You got it. He's Cody Decker, folks. Again, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Fours across the board. Back with more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Talk. Appreciate Cody Decker giving us so much time today on the show. Always very generous. Always has a lot to say, Adrian. He was loading up today. I think it was well-deserved, Steve. We missed him for a while. We haven't had a chance to catch up with Cody Decker. He is a regular of ours here on the show. Uh, did you see the, twi- the uh, Twitter poll that was up during uh, the segment here? Um, I did not. Clue me in. So um, we asked our listeners for some Cody Decker trivia, Steve. Uh, we asked them <laughs> – this is a, this is a, you'll like this one um, – we asked them about uh, where um, he used to stay during his time while Ooh. he was here in El Paso. We let listeners vote. Right now, he uh, slept at the station is winning right now, 37% of the votes. Really? Yes. Sleeping at the station. All right. I like that. I think that's a fair, uh, you know, that's, that's actually a pretty good one. Um, ah, 
Let's see here. Where did he crash at often during his time in El Paso? The intern's house is also right behind sleeping at the station. And then my spot, and then you are coming in last. Well, I can tell you this much. Did he ever stay and crash at your house? No. Okay. He spent way too much time in my house. But I want to see this. I want to see sleep at the station or the intern's house end up winning that one. Don't you? Yes, I do. I, I want to see that one win big time. I do, too. So that would be great. You can vote, uh, vote early, vote often at uh, 600 ESPN El Paso on uh, Twitter, on X, wherever you vote uh, online. That's exactly as we continue here on the program. And nearing the end of hour number one, still to come, Lane Frank is going to join us in our 5 o'clock hour before Tim joins us from uh, the ballpark. And uh, Lane will have a lot to talk about. I'm sure we'll be recapping his uh, trip to Los Angeles. And uh, it's going to be a loaded, loaded schoolyard sports. I don't know if it's going to be this week or next week, but you're going to get to hear uh, a lot of the names he had a chance to run into. And uh, I can tell you firsthand it was wild since i was his unofficial photographer at the event i I can't wait i think this is the most anticipated i've ever been uh for a schoolyard sports episode to drop i want to see all the faces i want to hear all of the interviews from lane frank himself and whenever this podcast this mega show comes out um i'm just going to be definitely tuning in on this one i think mega show is pretty accurate I really think that's a good way to describe what's going to be happening when we get a chance to uh, visit with uh, Cody Decker uh, here on the program today. So super happy about that. That'll be coming up uh, also in our 5 o'clock hour. And then it'll be Tim Haggerty. And I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But UTEP football is 48 hours away. 48 hours from now, we'll probably be somewhere midway through the second quarter between the Miners and Jacksonville State. Okay, quick prediction, Steve. Is UTEP winning two days from now? Are they winning at this point right now in the game? At this point? Yes. Yes, they're winning. Ooh, okay. Yes. All right. I think so, too. I think they come ready to play. I really do. Oh, man, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, you're not kidding. All right. Hey, we got uh, still 90 minutes left on Sports Talk. Want to hear from you. 505-6009 as we continue. Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right. Thank you very much, Buzz. Appreciate that. Hour number two underway. Mr. Schoolyard Sports himself, Lane Frank, will be dropping by here this hour. We'll have a lot to cover with Lane. College football starting this weekend. I'm sure Lane's going to be chiming in on that. Recapping his trip to L.A. from last week. I'll tell you a little bit about that as well. Give you some takes and... Find out what Lane thinks that uh, the Angels should do with Shohei Otani right now. What a dilemma that is. Seriously, Steve. I mean, man, this is just such a uh, blow to baseball. I got the notification late yesterday, and I could, I just felt um, defeated as a baseball fan. I, I mean, I loved watching him all season long on the mound and what he was able to do as a pitcher. And the fact that we just as baseball fans are deprived from watching him on the mound for the mm-hmm. rest of the season and maybe here for the foreseeable future, if he does require surgery, Tommy John surgery, that is, man, that would be such a bummer. It would be terrible. Uh, it would be absolutely terrible. So, man. Anyway, um, so much to talk about as uh, we continue uh, here on Sports Talk. This is hard to believe. This broke 30 minutes ago, okay? But, um, you know, we, we lost yesterday. We lost uh, Terry Funk. Today, we just found out within the hour that 
Um, Wyndham Rotunda, known as Bray Wyatt, unexpectedly passed away at the age of 36, which is just an absolute shocker. An absolute shocker. And, you know, someone that always was a crowd favorite. Um, and yet, again, you know, wrestling, we talk about it. Um, Terry Funk lived to 79. Wyndham Rotunda lived to 36. I mean, it just goes to show you sometimes in that in that particular business, you never know when uh, your life is going to be cut short. That is shocking news. Shocking news around the pro wrestling world today. Yeah, it's really sad, Steve. I, I um, you know, this is a really sad thing. The fact that wrestling fans get the news about Funk and then hear the news today about Bray Wyatt. That's just really sad news for the wrestling community here and especially such a young age. Yep. There's no doubt. No doubt about it. So that one uh, came just a moment ago. Meanwhile, UTEP football starts two days from now in Jacksonville, Alabama, against the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, making their first ever appearance as an FBS team in Conference USA. Our coverage starts at 2.30. Adrian's got a huge watch party going on at the district, 32-33 North Mesa. There'll be the home to minor talk following the game, but you can go enjoy the game with Adrian and company out there. And, um, boy, a lot of us are going to have our eyes on the minors and uh, Jacksonville State come Saturday. Right. I mean, this what we know about Jacksonville State is they are going to come in as a run-heavy program. They, UTEP should expect a run-dominated game by Jacksonville State, and why Why not? They bring back two experienced running backs. Zion Webb is their quarterback who is a physical specimen himself, and he likes to run the ball as far as, you know, kind of, you know, including dual-threat abilities on his side. So, Jacksonville State is going to be a team who definitely keeps it on the ground offensively, and then defensively, they bring a lot of people back from last year. So, 9-2 and two last year in a season that didn't matter this season won't matter either for them they can't win conference USA they cannot become bowl eligible as an uh, a newly uh, FBS team so a lot to look forward to here in week zero but you know they want to look good on CBS Sports Network when they're playing on that nationally televised game in zero week this is their Super Bowl right here this is their first ever FBS game in their school history they are making that transition and jump over this year and they want to show out for their home crowd they want to show out for the country who's watching them now in Conference USA. Jacksonville State wants to be on the map, definitely, out of this game. This time a year ago, UTEP was hosting North Texas in its first game of the season. Sold out crowd before the rain came, but they still had a huge crowd that night at the Sun Bowl. Um, enormous expectations for UTEP. And North Texas came in as a road team. And they laid the hammer to UTEP pretty good that game. They really did. And the Miners' uh, season, you know, at times um, it recovered, but never like we thought it would from that first game um, with the loss to North Texas. Here we are. The roles are reversed. UTEP goes on the road. Expectations are not nearly as high this time around as they were a year ago. Playing against a team, making their first trip as an FBS opponent. So maybe the Miners can um, 
channel the, their inner North Texas uh, mean green and uh, get in there, go into Jacksonville State, get the job done, and, and just play an impressive game from start to finish. You know, if you're uh, throwing comparisons out there with North Texas, I think maybe this year could be that season that North Texas had last year for the Miners in 2023. And what I mean by that is last year, people were down on Seth Luttrell. They were down on the North Texas football team going into 2022. And it's not like they uh, you know, were the greatest team in Conference USA, but they were a team that definitely uh, surprised a lot of groups in CUSA last season, and I think that uh, they they were a team that everybody just penciled in. UTEP to win in that Week 0 matchup. UTEP ended up falling in that one in a big fashion, uh, and North Texas ended up going 7-7 seven and seven last season. I think that's right around where UTEP could be, maybe 7-5 and five once the season's over, but I think last year's 2022 season for North Texas is what UTEP can aspire to have this season in Conference USA. Listen, again, minor fans, um, we talked about this, you know, uh, uh, five or six wins is not a successful season. This team really needs to win at least seven, but more like eight or more for this to be considered a successful season. Um, Jonathan Byers brought it up yesterday on social, and, and he's right. Not a tough schedule for UTEP, really. You could look at November and say that's more difficult, but you know when you have your money games featuring teams like Northwestern and Arizona and not Texas, not Oklahoma, uh, not Tennessee, like they're going to have here in, in years to come, I mean, th- these, are, these are winnable games. These are winnable money games. And you're playing against Incarnate Word in your home opener in Jacksonville State on the road. Listen, the schedule is setting up nicely, assuming the Miners put it together. Especially September and October. Those are the two months UTEP's got to strike. And if they can get one win against a Power 5 team, which is a tall task, although you know you look at both teams are not exactly the best teams in their respective conferences whatsoever, but still, if they get out of September and October with a winning record and look good uh, to close out the month of October, then yeah, this is a bold team right there. This is a team that's going to be playing relevant football come December. Two years ago, they were 6-1. and one. And they went one and four their last five games. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to go one and four their last five games, but you could look at this season, you could look at the schedule, and if the Miners do what they are supposed to do, like they did two years ago to begin their, uh, you know, the first two thirds of their season, they could be sitting very pretty after six, seven, or eight games. You know, the one game that I'm still circling is that UNLV game, uh, September 23rd. That wraps up their non-conference game. That is. Uh, one of the games right there that I, I really look at, these first two games right here on paper, the Miners should win. Jacksonville State, Incarnate Word. Then they go on the road against the two Power 5 teams in Northwestern and Arizona. UNLV is kind of that team that could on paper could be right on par with the Miners. So how do they do in that game? I think that really is important for this UTEP team uh, in this season. I'm with you on that one. Um, you want to talk about it with us heading into the season here Saturday, 505-6009. That's our telephone number you had a poll last week about expectations and um if if we revisit that poll which has since closed but just want to talk about where a lot of you figure this team will be because i think that is very important when you really start to look at ultimately um, you know the miners and 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 where they can go um you know a lot of you are not picking this team to win four or five games. Uh, that's really important. In fact, when we took the poll and, and closed it up, 
you picked it to be a winnable season and a winnable, um, you know, a big year for UTEP. And I think that's absolutely the case. Adrian, I believe um, if I look at the final uh, tally from last week, wasn't the... Um, wasn't it about five to seven that took home the majority of the fan voting when it was all said and done? No, six to eight. Six to eight was 60.6%. Four to five was 18%. 15% said nine to 11. 6.2% believed one to three would be how many wins. So the majority of our fans pick six to eight. Six and six is 500. Eight and four would be a great season. Maybe somewhere in the middle of seven and five. I think that from a conservative play, six to eight would be what six out of every 10 minor fans would probably predict. Yeah, on the flip side of that, uh, all those people, the 24% who picked five uh, wins or less, those people right there, uh, if they are right and the minors do not have a 500 or winning season this year then this is going to be a long year and this is going to be one of those seasons where uh, minor fans just get disappointed again they are uh, calling for change once the season's over and those those minor fans are going to be the loudest that eight that what 24 percent mm-hmm. who uh, picks UTEP to have a losing season they will be the loudest uh, when the season is over and asking for change yeah we don't want that we really don't we want to see good things happen when it's all said and done to this uh, to this football team and, and have a big season but it's difficult because we've seen it happen so many times before you just wonder can they put it together the way they're capable of can this team have the magical season that we want to see I think their defense is going to hang in every game. They're going to keep them in every single game. Their defense impresses me so much. Bringing back linebacker Tyrese Knight was such a key for this Miners team. And then having Praise and May who lay back as their star pass rusher. Having Kobe Hilton, a veteran uh, you know, secondary member, lead them uh, in that passing defensive game. That's what I, I think UTEP should hang their hats on. That's the, going to be the strong point of the Miners. Now, my only concern defensively is how their uh, cornerbacks will hang, uh, how their safeties will hang beyond just Kobe Hilton. They have guys who have experience, Mm -hmm. but the key is is obviously showing it on the field uh, for a full season. So I still think the strength of this team is their defense. I think they'll rely on their defense uh, to win a lot of these games throughout the year, and if they have success, it's because that defense finds a lot of that success on their own. Well, that's the thing. You just want to see that defense carry the offense. Really, if you think about it, all Gavin Hardison has to be this year is just a good game manager. That's it. All right, that's it. I mean, uh, he's worked with uh, Dana Dimmel all offseason long. He's uh, has a higher IQ, according to uh, Dana Dimmel. He really likes what he brings to the table as far as intelligence and his decision-making. So let's see what he could do now here in his final season. He's getting a lot of NFL scouts looking at him right now, which minor fans would roll their eyes when I mm-hmm. say that, but it's factual. I mean, people in the NFL are coming to El Paso to watch prospects on UTEP, including Gavin. Hardison and even talking to Dana Dimmel about Gavin Hardison I mean uh, coach talked this week about the New York Giants really liking his arm talent what Gavin Hardison brings to the table and what impressed me the most was that uh, Dimmel stressed uh, intelligence that he believes that the intelligence is the biggest thing he's learning as he's spending more and more time with Gavin Hardison that's a good thing right because the biggest issue with Hardison is those turnovers Mm -hmm. if he can limit turnovers this entire season and be more efficient as a passer then you know uh, that's going to be 
a lot of success for the UTEP offense. All right, quarter past uh, here on the program. We'll come back more in a moment. And as promised, Lane Frank will join us inside our River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studio. So much to talk about with Lane. But first, I'll send it back to D. D. Wu standing by with another traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk. 505-6009. Lane Frank's going to join us here in just a little bit. First, though, I want to say hello to Milkman on the phone lines right now. Joining us here on a Thursday. Milkman, what's going on? How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How is the, how's the milk these days? Good? Yeah, yeah I'm doing all right. I, I kind of fall off the, uh, you know, the sports bandwagon uh, uh, during the summer, but I'm really pumped for football. Um, so <laughs> I got to tell you, I... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the uh, the media has kind of uh, not really been that high on on the minor football team. Correct? Uh, what it, well, yeah, well, yeah. That's that's uh, that's pretty accurate, Milkman. That is pretty accurate. Okay. So so, I mean, we've had some years where it's like before the season, it's like, oh man, they should do pretty good, and you know, then they don't, or you know, they they do better than you thought. But I don't I don't know. It's one it's one of those weird things. Like it's kind of like. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm looking at who they have coming back, and I'm just like, I, I, I don't think I felt this good about their chances in quite a while. I mean, I it just it just feels it feels like everything's coming together. And what makes me happy is that the media didn't didn't really pick up on them. So I'm kind of like, well, that's good. They'll be sneaking up on people. That's true. That is very true. And uh, you could definitely make the argument that right now uh, UTEP is kind of more in that uh, that underdog role. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I, uh, I, I found out, uh, what, a few weeks ago that, uh, that Tyron Smith came back. And I, I was like, wow, uh, I thought they had lost him. So then, you know, I started kind of going over their roster. And I was like, Wow, uh, I'm kind of liking their odds here, you know. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm pretty pumped. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm uh, I I gotta say I heard you talking about Jacksonville State and how they're you know they're having their debut and and I was like wow that's not good you know because they'll be pumped. And then you know what you know uh, what made me feel better was you talking about how how pumped we were for the miners last year in the opener and North Texas came in and knocked us off that so you know i it, it uh, could it could always go the other direction so i'm not as worried about it as i was when i first heard you talking about it good well listen i think uh, again we'll know a lot of this team after saturday and if they come out play impressive win and you know if they win convincing then that really kind of i think will get people pretty pumped for this season uh, being a much better one than uh the other way around so let's hope milkman that the team delivers and uh, we can go from there Absolutely. Hope to hope to talk to you. Uh, you know, after a victory. So. There we go. All right. Good to hear from you, man. Thanks for the call. All right. You got it. Milkman giving us the lowdown here at 23 past the hour as we continue. We can bring Lane Frank in right now, host of uh, Schoolyard Sports, the podcast, which drops today on all platforms as uh, he's got a lot, I'm sure, to talk about since the college football season begins this weekend and uh, his trip to Los Angeles. All right, uh, Lane, grab a, grab a mic. We, we're not going to wait till 530. We'll put you on right now and give you uh, a little extra time. First off, welcome back. Uh, we just had a UTEP call. This is game week. We're two days away from the start of the college football season with zero week. And as you might imagine, with the Miners uh, playing Saturday against Jacksonville State, a lot of El Pasoans pretty jacked up. Yeah. We're good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, very excited to see the UTEP game against Jacksonville State. Hopefully, 
they can win that game and start the season one no unlike last year that's true last year was North Texas it was raining and it didn't go as well for UTEP this time it's going to be different instead of cool rain and a delayed start it's going to be like 95 degrees and humid in Jacksonville Alabama so the question is how will the miners handle the weather conditions the humidity the heat and be able to uh, you know substitute in and out throughout the game I think the Miners can handle it well as any team in America, considering that they play in the heat themselves and practice every single day. They do. Uh, are you ready for the start of college football season? Is that a is that a big part of your life? Hell yes. Ah, I am so excited look at for the that. start of college football season. Best sport it. on earth. Well, I'm telling you. Um, and when does Michigan get underway? Next weekend? Next weekend versus Eastern Carolina. Oh, that's a tough one. Boy, oh boy. No boy. Jim Harbaugh. Should be tough. Yeah, that, that's true. Who is going to be coaching with Harbaugh on the bench or so they, away from the team? So they just announced the whole entire coaching lap. It's going to be Jesse Minner, defense coordinator for the first game. And then the second game of the year against UNLV, they're going to split duties between Jay Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's son, and Mike Hart. And then the third game of the year, it'll just be all Sharon Moore. Anyone here saying interesting? Assistant head coach is going to be Jack Harbaugh, dad of Jim Harbaugh, in his 90s now. Get out of here. So wait up. a minute. Jack Harbaugh is going to be is going to be on the sidelines for mm-hmm. Michigan. Can he stand? He's I in his nineties. So. He's got a good football mind, and then you got Jay Harbaugh as the head coach of the first half of that second game. So um, that'll so, be interesting. So three generations of Harbaugh: Jack, Jim, and Jay. Exactly. That's pretty good. Um, I like that. Now, um, it makes you wonder. With all the Harbaugh's involved, you tell me, um, does Michigan come into this season with hopes for a legitimate national title going into the playoff? Where do you feel Michigan is? As biased as as you are as a Michigan fan. This is now championship bust, and I'm not the only one saying that. Bleacher Report, they put out their hot takes. They said Michigan's going to win the national championship. Bruce Feldman, one of the most respected minds of college football, said they're going to win the national championship. So why wouldn't I say that we're going to win the national championship. Because you know, we are the be, all-around yeah, best team in the country. You don't have to be like everybody else. You could just be your own person. So, I want to pick know, Michigan. I, I think Michigan. Because when you look at Georgia, yeah. you got Carson Beck. What has Carson Beck done? He's done nothing in his three years of college football. You look at Alabama. They don't have a starting quarterback yet. They have guys like Jalen Milrow, who has stunk the bed before. They have guys like Tyler Buckner, who's absolutely done nothing. At Notre Dame in his career, they have Tommy Reese, not a great offense coordinator. You look at Ohio State, they don't have a quarterback yet. Kyle McCord has looked awful in his time as a quarterback at Ohio State, in my opinion. He's had one good start, and he only had one start in his career against Akron. Played pretty decent there, but he's thrown interceptions almost every game he's played in. And then you look at a guy like Devin Brown for Ohio State, I'm not too sure. So going into last week, you had three top five teams without a starting quarterback, and that was Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. We don't know about these teams. You have Ohio State playing Notre Dame week three. We don't know who their quarterback is going to be. And you have Alabama playing Texas week two. Both those teams on big upset alert look for Michigan to slip into the number one spot, if not Georgia. Wow. Okay. And who's going to be quarterback in Georgia and take it over from uh, Stetson Bennett? Carson Beck. Okay. And by the way, you have, you, you're not sold on him either, are you? No. Three but- years of college football. And he's done nothing. And then you have good guys on the bench like Brock Vandegrift, who was a top recruit in 2020. He obviously isn't good enough to be a starting quarterback. And Gunnar Stockton obviously is not good enough to be a starting quarterback. So this is what's concerning to me because you have two five-star quarterbacks on the bench backing up Carson Beck, who was just a four-star in 2019. So you're telling me that the stars have aligned itself. And if there was ever going to be a year for Michigan to uh, run the table— and steamroll into the playoffs and potentially a national championship, it's this season. It is this season, for sure. Okay. Let's go blue. All right.
When you say let's go blue, are you talking about the Giants or about Michigan? Gi- or Michigan, obviously. You're going to say Giants. I almost, I almost, I almost tricked I you. I not say Giants. You did that. And by the way, uh, we had Cody Decker on the show earlier. He thinks the Giants, unlike the Jets, are going to be a big surprise this year in the NFL. True. But Jets looking like Super Bowl contenders. You think so, huh? I do think so. But Giants, playoff lookout. All right, all right. You've got your uh, you got your hot takes ready to go. I like that. It sounds like you're fired up and all good. What's what's your favorite game in zero week? What do you want to watch the most? Probably uh, USC, San Jose State. My preseason Heisman pick, Caleb Williams, kicking off his second Heisman campaign. Mm-hmm. Night game. That'll be fun to see. You got Navy, Notre Dame kicking off in Ireland. Start of the season, that should be fun as well. And then UTEP, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's right. I mean, I'm looking right now at all the games this weekend and seeing everything we have. They, um, you know, that Notre Dame-Navy game is interesting. Um, uh, the fact that New Mexico State will be hosting UMass on ESPN Saturday at Don 5 Brown, o'clock. Don Brown, head coach of UMass, former that, Michigan defense coordinator. That's a big deal as well. And I'm also interested in uh, that um, Louisiana Tech FIU game just because it's CUSA. And it's the we'll, we'll find out a little bit more about those two teams as well to see what uh, they're capable of. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of interesting ones. And, of course, the Miners in Jacksonville State, uh, 3.30, that game gets underway. So we have a lot of good football that's to to, 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 to whet our appetite, right? That's good. And it all starts Saturday, uh, and we'll have it for you here on uh, 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. We're just getting warmed up. When we come back, I want to recap with you, Los Angeles, what it was like for you this past uh, Friday night, and just your overall takeaways from uh, a big, big night for you and obviously for uh, Schoolyard Sports. Sounds good. Excited to talk about it. We'll do that in a moment. Lane Frank is in the house. We'll uh, continue our conversation right after Adrian and this Sports Center update. Schoolyard Sports Podcast, which drops tonight. Um, episode, um, what are we on, 133? 133. Oh, I like that. I like numbers like 33. You know you know who wore number 33? Aaron Jones. That's true. You know who else wore the 33? No. Larry Bird. Okay. Larry Legend. So, But Aaron Jones, Showtime has 33. I like the fact that that's the first person you're, um, you're, you're going to is, um, is, is Aaron Jones, by the way. Will Aaron Jones have a big fantasy year this year? What do you think? I think he'd have a great fantasy year. Jordan Love, you know, he's obviously going to be back with the Packers. I think Aaron Jones will get most of the carries. So, yeah, look out for a good season by Aaron Jones. I said last week that I was going to be going with you to Los Angeles so I could be your personal assistant on this trip that we went to. And I tried to live up to that as much as I could. I felt like I was your uh, photographer, took a lot of photos uh, from the Pump Brothers um, charity dinner that raises money for uh, cancer awareness, and they've been very successful over 20-plus years doing that. You had a spot right there on the red carpet, talking to a who's who of athletes, celebrities, and I felt like this year especially, the stars came out. You tell me. You've done this two years in a row now. How would you compare last uh, Friday to the first time you did this uh, about a year ago? I think maybe there were more stars at last year's event, but overall-wise, you know, the top three guys that came to this event, bigger than last year. So, yeah. Great experience interviewing McEnroe. Great experience interviewing Michael Phelps, Lil Durk. I know you don't know who that is, but I know now. I know Lil Durk. Every matter of fact, when I texted this photo, most famous one I interviewed. It's true. When I texted the photo to Adrian, 
And I just, I didn't tell him. What was the reaction you sent me back on that text when I sent you that photo? I think I said something like, I can't believe he interviewed Lil Durk. Something like that. That I was like, oh my gosh, that was incredible, Lane. All the cred goes your way for that. You were excited about Lil Durk. Matter of fact, when you heard, I'm not going to lie to you, when you said Lil Durk is there. I thought you were talking about somebody that's like a like a Dirk Nowitzki, uh, you know, protege. I was like, really? They got a guy now named Lil Dirk, like Dirk Nowitzki. I didn't even realize we're talking about a rapper here. No, yeah, that was great seeing Lil Dirk. I had not expecting to be there, so that was a fun interview to have. He seemed to really have a good time with you too. Yeah, yeah, he did. Everybody interview was out right now. Go check on Instagram and YouTube. Everybody had a good time with you. What was it? Okay, so Lil Dirk was your highlight, but did you notice that when you talked to John McEnroe? He never broke a smile. Super intense, even with you. And that was the one thing I noticed he about Matt. Smi- he broke a smile. With me. Did he? He did. Because he, he seemed he seemed pretty. I got photos. Uh, I got photos of Macron smiling. Okay, I, I didn't know if that was even possible because Mac seemed like he was uh, very. Uh, you know, he came in very intense. He was locked in, but you know, he gave a smile. Good. Did you tell him you were? A, and you told him you were a uh, you you you're a tennis player, and I'm sure that hopefully that broke the ice. Yeah, a yeah, bit. that did a little bit there. So that was fun talking about U.S. Open. A few other things. I think he enjoyed that. Was McEnroe one of your highlights just because you play tennis and you realize he's one of the best of all time? Yeah, that was definitely a highlight. Seeing uh, interviewing him, you know, greatest tennis player, one of the greatest tennis players of all time. That was very fun. I thought the conversation you had. Oh, look at that. And, and by the way, that's as close as McEnroe gets to, uh, to, to smile, right? That yeah, is about that's as close a smile. As, that's a smile. That's, let, me see, let, me see, let me show me that photo. Let me see, let me see that thing Let's again. Say, I'll yeah. tell you if that's really a smile or not. Hang on, because I saw that whole interview. Um, all right. You think that's a smile? He's not showing his teeth, but it's a smile. Really? If, I'll tell you this. That's as much of a smile as you're getting out of McEnroe. Right, How about that? Let's go frame by frame. We'll that, is, that is probably the most, that is probably the most McEnroe-like smile you're going to get. But still, he, he doesn't look as mean and angry as he normally does. But okay, so that was, that was Johnny Mac's way of softening up a little bit. I like that. Uh, Drew Brees had a great time with you. Drew Brees was great to interview, for sure. Really nice guy. You know, you think he's nice on TV, nice in person as well. You loved talking to Michael Phelps. That was a great interview. That might have been my favorite. Which is Michael Phelps all around great. Um, what about getting a chance to do the money with Johnny Menzel? That was fun seeing Johnny Menzel. You know, not getting to interview him was a bit of a bummer, but you know, getting to talk to him, get a picture with him, that was fun. Rick Flair, did you enjoy that? Rick Flair was fun for sure. Okay, and uh, you also had Carlos Boozer. You had Lamar Odom, Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin was with you as well. Um, I noticed something that surprised me. So I forget who was coming up. But you passed on Tim Hardaway, and I was I don't think shocked. I had the chance. I didn't have the chance to. Hardaway. No. That, no. Hardaway I did was not pass coming. on Hardaway. And I said to you, I did Lane, not pass on Hardaway. are we going with Hardaway? And you said, no. No. There were others at the same no, time. No, no. There, there were others, others coming up. I think McEnroe yes. and Phelps are coming up, so I didn't want to waste my opportunity to that by going Were you Hardaway. afraid that if you went with Hardaway and you missed out on either Phelps or McEnroe, you would not have been happy? I would not have been happy. Okay. But... That's not. I don't even think I saw Hardaway walk the red carpet. So did you? Have you I have never you, got the opportunity. They never like show me the car and be like, "Do you want to interview Tim Hardaway?" I never. That never happened. Have so. you met Hardaway before? Never met Hardaway. Okay, so you need to meet Hardaway. All right, we'll work on that the next time he comes back in the okay. town. Because I saw Hardaway, and I've already. Did I, you talk to him? At the I event? did. I touched base with him. He was out uh, outside during the event, and I went and found him, and uh, we talked for a little while, and told him about some things that are happening in El Paso, and told him he needs to get his uh, butt back here next February. He said he's going to. So I'm excited about that. That's good. 
Yeah. And by the way, um, next to our table, Steve Garvey. What a thrill that was. Because I we brought Garvey in about 15 years ago for our uh, big sports expo that we did at the time. And I had to remind him that he came in for that. And he was class all the way and told me he wants he thinks he has a shot to get to Cooperstown and the Baseball Hall of Fame next year. And if he does, he said, you got to come. Like wow, that's that's a big that's a big ask from from Steve Garvey. But how do you say no to Steve it. Garvey? One if he Steve goes to another. the Hall of Fame, you got to do it, right? Yeah, one Steve to another. You that's a hundred percent correct. Um, you also had a chance to talk to other big names uh, from the event uh, this past Friday. Was there anybody else? You had twenty altogether that you uh, met up with uh, last Friday. Yeah, very very. What was the question again? Can you, repeat? you had twenty people. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of the other names. You had Jim Gray. He was there. You had Michael Buffer. He was there. Um, you had Rodney Terry. Rodney Terry. Sugar Ray Leonard. You. What's that? Yeah, Rodney. Rodney was shocked when he saw me. Let's be honest. Rodney was happy, though, to see you. You think so? I think so. He looked at me, and I feel like he was like a ghost. He couldn't believe that of all the people in Los Angeles at this event, I was there. It seemed like he was shocked. But then, once he got over the initial shock that I was there, he became Rodney again, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. A few other guys I got to interview. You know, Andrew Whitworth, that was a great one. Brock Osweiler, Dexter Fowler. So yeah, all around great event. What would you say the best outfit Byron was? Scott, former Lakers head coach. That was a good one talking about NBA. And who is and who is this right here? That is Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin, you had a chance to talk to also. That's cool. All right, uh, Adrian had a question for you. I don't think you can hear me. I, can oh, you, yeah. I hang on a second. Oh, I apologize. I've kept this whole thing going without any. You never yeah. told me you weren't hearing any of this it's not, stuff. It's not the worst thing. Oh my god! All I right, tried Adrian, to at one point. But. Help him. Help him now. Help him now. All right. Uh, first off, Lane, I was giving you props earlier for a little Dirk, but who had the best outfit on the red carpet? Who had the best outfit on the red carpet? You know who had a good one? Brock Osweiler. I'll say that. Yeah, you thought nice. Brock was solid. I think Brock Osweiler might have had the best. Was there any? I was rocking a good green suit. Also, was there anybody you spoke to that was just like, eh, nothing? Like after you thought about, it, I was like, eh, nothing special. Jim Gray was a little bit, eh. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard misunderstood one of my questions and fully led that the wrong way. Uh, Lamar Odom, the first one, that was a little bit interesting. But uh, all around, they're all very nice and good. Will all of the interviews, are they dropping they're tonight? All they're all out right now. You can go watch all of them on YouTube. You can watch like the marquee ones on Instagram, the under 60 seconds. Oh, good. So, you didn't, so you've got Instagram and YouTube for all yeah. of the interviews. So go watch the full episode on YouTube. you got segments in there, and then midway through, be all the interviews from the uh, Pump Dinner. Now, I don't know about you, but... That's a highlight. Like that's a big, big deal to be a part of that and there. get a chance to talk. Now you've done it's it at fourteen. Experience. Now you've done it at fifteen. But of all the people you spoke to, Lil Dark for you was the highlight. I would say yeah. Lil do you Dirk listen? Was do, a great do you listen to Lil Dirk? Of course. Okay. Do you? No. You I didn't even try. know. I didn't even know who he was. I thought it was. I thought you were. I thought we were talking about Dirk Nowitzki. I didn't even realize you were talking about somebody else. Try listening. Is it? Is he that good? That good. Okay. <laughs> I like that. All right. That sounds like a, it's, it's a winner for me. Are right, you ready to come back and do more? Let's go. All right. Lane is here in the building. We'll talk more with the host of Schoolyard Sports as we continue. 600 ESPN El Paso. 48 past the hour as we continue. Lane Frank with us till 615. Good job, Adrian. Uh, giving everybody that um, YouTube uh, link from the Pump Charity Sports Dinner. Hang on a second. There we go. We were, that's where we were on Friday. It was good hanging with you guys, by the way. A lot of fun. It was a fun trip. 
It was a fun trip. I, I had a good time and uh, got out before the hurricane. That's thank God. That's that's the most important thing. People were worried about us. They were they were worried if we we're going to make it. But we just we just got out and then you saw those crazy pictures of Dodger Stadium. That yeah. was that was wild, that was wasn't tough. it? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, meanwhile, as I look at um, a post that we just had a little while ago on X which I guess is what it is right now. Here we go. You ready for this one? This is interesting. So this is from El Paso Visuals Deportivos. He says, This is a huge season for UTEP football. Next year, the following players will be gone. Starting quarterback, wide receiver, most of the starting O-line, best defensive players. If this football team doesn't go to a bowl game this season, it could be another two to three years before they make a bowl game. It's definitely true. I agree. I mean, and he's right. Like, it's a good take. You lose a lot of good guys after this year. This is a this is a tough year for for Utah. They will be losing a lot. You're right about same that. with Michigan. Michigan could be losing 18 starters. 18? Well, yeah, but it's Michigan. They'll they'll load up. But it's hurry. a boomer bust season. That's it's right. Last championship or bust. But, but here's the thing. Okay, look at the difference. For UTEP, we're talking about getting back to a bowl game, which could be a six and six season or better. For Michigan, it's a national championship season. Boom or bust, as you call it. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm hoping for I'm rooting for you. I, I, I really am. Uh, meanwhile, Shohei Otani, UCL tear. This is an absolute disaster for the Angels. It's all their fault. It's the biggest mistake in baseball history to not trade them. Well, we talked about this. But maybe now you have a better chance to get him back because, you know, maybe he wants to keep on with that process with the Angels. Uh, maybe so, re-sign for about 300 400 even at most I'd say $500 million. Now he doesn't get that super $800 million contract anymore. So you could see him go on like a five-year deal with the Angels now that he's injured. What if? What if? So it might be, might be a great idea. I got a better idea, okay? What if he decides, you know what? I'm going to probably miss part of next year because I'm going to have to have surgery and come back again from a second Tommy John. What if I sign a two-year deal with the Angels? Do you think that's too dangerous? Because if he comes back and he's not the same as a pitcher, will that cost him an absolute fortune down the road? So you're telling me a team like the Dodgers, a team like the Mets, a team like the Yankees, they're still not going to offer Otani 13 years, 500, 400, 600 million? They will. They, they will. So go and, go out and take that. I'm just saying maybe for Otani's side, I think he might want that five-year deal with the Angels, something like that. Steve Cohen might tell Shohei Otani, I'll give you $500 million, and I don't even care if you play next year. Because the Mets' goal is 2025 and beyond. Not just that. Cohen has more money than God. So if there's anybody who could just tell Shohei, we want you so badly, we'll pay you just to be here even if you don't play, it's Steve Cohen and the Mets. Yeah, Steve Cohen would do anything to get Shohei Otani, I think. And now that that fits into the mold of 2025, 2026, you have to go after him. Now, let's talk about the Angels for just a second. Here's why I feel bad for the Angels. No, don't. Let me tell you don't. why. Let me listen. No, no, no. I'm listen, not. Listen, listen. listen. Right. Before you tell me not to, let me tell you why. Okay. You're going to be wrong. Because you could have cashed out and rebuilt your entire franchise had you traded Otani at the deadline. Yep. Okay? We all know that. But the Angels decided, instead of taking the easy way out, we are going to not only take him off the block and not trade him, but we are going to make moves. We're going to go for it. 
we're going to add we're going to add Lucas Giolito, former uh, former um, uh, All Star. We're going to take CJ Crone. We're going to boost our team up a little bit, and we are going to make a run for the postseason. Now. We didn't realize that the team would tank completely after that was over. And Mike Trout comes back and he immediately gets hurt again. He gets put on the, the IL because Trout, unfortunately, has kind of become the human injury these last few years. And everything that could go wrong for the Angels has gone wrong. But their intent was... I admire that. They wanted to show their fan base, whatever it is, that they were going to make a run around Shohei and not just give up. And they still get screwed. Okay, you said they're going for it. I fully disagree with that statement. If they were fully going for it, I mean, they might have been, but at least not the smart way. If you're fully going for it, you're compliments. You're trying to get Max Scherzer. You're trying to get Justin Verlander. You're trying to get these top guys in the market. Maybe you call out to New York, try to get Gene Colista and something like that. You're not getting Lucas Giolito, who does nothing anymore. You're not getting CJ Crone. Where, where is CJ Crone now? Because they're calling up Nolan Shawnell to play first base for you now after he was just picked 60 days ago. And then Crone got hurt. So well, Crone got hurt. That's why they brought Still, him up. Still, though, it's he a bold hurt. move, but it's not going to work out. Randall Gritchick, what does that do for you? I think what they did is mess up last year by trading Razzle Iglesias. They just shut down closer. What he done, what he has done for the Braves is nothing short of amazing. And now mm-hmm. they're missing that closing piece. That's why they're losing yeah. games in the ninth inning. Yeah. You're losing Brandon Marsh. Sure, you get Logan Ohapi out of it, but... Logan Ohapi gets... Listen, Ohapi gets hurt. He's out for most doesn't, of the year. He's out for most of the year. It doesn't change much. Now... You bring up why you didn't go out and go get yourself uh, guys like Scherzer and get yourself Verlander. They didn't have the farm system to get those players like the uh, like the Astros did and like the Rangers did. I mean, that's the issue, too, is the Angels don't have much of a farm system, at least nothing worth trading away uh, you know, or acquiring big names. So well, um, let me say this right here. What is yeah. that compensation pick going to look like if you lose, so- lose Shohei Otani? Because uh, that had to be in the plan. I remember when the Rockies didn't trade Trevor Story a few years ago. I think they thought none of the prospects we're getting is going to be better than the first round pick, which we're going to get if we lose them in free agency. Well, compensation is what? They'll probably get a pick in the supplemental round right so after. first round. Yeah, but that's nothing. That's not that's It's not still a first round pick. It's not going to replace Shane McClanahan was a supplementary pick. Right. Where's he now? Yeah. Ace. Tommy John, but Ace. Tommy John. But Ace. Will he, will he, yeah, but will that but Ace, Ace even? Will he return? Yes. As good as he was? Yes. We don't know that. Okay, let's look go. At what, look at what's happened to all these other guys with Tommy John surgery. You I think they might even get better. There's no guarantee. Every single pitcher has gone Tommy John in the career, it seems like. And most of them can bounce back from it. Who hasn't? Um, Noah Syndergaard. That's a good point right there. But a guy like Jacob deGrom had twice. He's been dominating. Well, we, not, Zach Wheeler no, had we don't, it. He's we don't, been dominating. We Zach Wheeler we, had it in 2015. We don't know about DeGrom great. the second time around. We've only know about the first time. We don't know about the second time. Zach Wheeler, 2015, he had Tommy John. Where is he now? He's amazing. How'd Matt Harvey do after his Tommy John surgery? Matt Harvey was already damaged goods by then. I think he damaged himself. All right. I'm not going to win with you, am I? I'm not going to win. All right, Tony's already had Tommy John. He's a great pitcher. For now, but that, that's one Tommy John. If you look at the impact of two of those surgeries, it's a very, very short list. Let's see how Walker Bueller does. Coming back from his second Tommy John surgery. How's Dustin May done since coming back from Tommy John? Dustin May? He got hurt again. He's out again this year. He, got, he came back and he got hurt. Now he lost another year. So Dustin May was a disaster. See, bit. some guys come back and they don't they just they don't change anything and then they hurt their arms all over again. Okay, let's look at this article that just came out. Hang on, I gotta I gotta get to break. Listen, okay. we gotta we gotta break. Okay. We gotta break. I'm not gonna no no, no. no worries. All right, thank you. More with Lane as we take him up till six fifteen, right here, six hundred ESPN El Paso. Go. Tim Haggerty will join us soon. 
need to uh, spend a day with Hags in the uh, press box out there at Southwest University Park, see how he uh, handles a game. And that would that'd be, a, that'd be a fun one for you. One other night. Pretty good game. Oh, you did? Tuesday night. All right. That was a good game. Good for Sacramento. Yeah. They ended up winning when it was all said and done. By the way, you said a moment ago that Tim sounds um, genuine on that uh, particular uh, clip, right? Let's leave it up to your listeners. Does Tim sound genuine there? Well, we've I, I had my, my questions, but Hags told us that, yes, that was a very genuine um, endorsement. Don't believe him. Uh, that he Trust said that, that is his favorite show, uh, listening to us. That, that was very nice. Um, and we didn't force him to do that, did we, Adrian? That was not a, uh, you know, against his, against his will putting that together. Oh, you mean the script that I sent him wasn't uh, part of his will? Oh, then he read it exactly the way you wrote it, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. That sounds, that sounds good. Um, meanwhile, as we continue, uh, we've got a few more minutes left to go with Lane Frank, Schoolyard Sports. Let's talk about uh, this week's episode 133 and uh, what you have covered. This week's episode, great. I gave him my Heisman prediction. Spoiler alert, it's Caleb Williams winning his second. You can watch every single interview from the Pump Dinner. I talk a little bit about the event itself. If you want more info on that, go watch last year's episode, episode number 88 of Squared Sports. I give a full-on breakdown of uh, but the Harold and Carol Pump Dinner is Pump Brothers Dinner. But uh, yeah, that's definitely in there. A lot of uh, good things going on in that episode. College football, NFL, not as much NBA, a little bit of baseball in there. But yeah, go tune in. When was the last time we had back-to-back Heisman winners, like the same guy winning two years in a row? Only once. Archie Griffin. Wow. So have you seen is... Swamp Kings yet? Florida documentary. I have not. Tim Tebow came very close to doing it. Okay. That was the, that's the closest we've had since closest. Tim Tebow won it in 07, and then he had a chance to do an 08 and 09, couldn't do it. Okay. Well, but if he did it, it would have had to be 07 and 08, right? Because 09, it would have been two in three years. I'm talking about but back that's still to impressive back. to win two oh, in your college sure. career. No doubt. Only been done, done once. Archie so. Griffin, but Archie Griffin won in back-to-back years. I think so. Okay. That would be a big deal. So you love Caleb Williams. I love Caleb Williams. All the right. truth. Is Caleb Williams, in your mind, a number one overall pick? I think so, but in his eyes, he might not even want to declare. Caleb Williams said, you know, I'm, I'm sitting pretty comfortable at USC. You know, I can afford to not go to the NFL, get my NIL money. Maybe I even make more here at USC, be a, one of the greatest college football players, if not the greatest college football player of all time. Maybe win a national championship. Caleb Williams, something he could have on his mind. Here's the problem I have, okay, when you talk about Caleb Williams. And that is, number one, um, you're dealing with a um, a guy that yeah you know, is a little different than everybody else, but with all the different um, with all the different um, controversy re- regarding the Pac-12. This is the last year He's of the Pac-12, team. right? Maybe you do stick around and go and play Tell one year in the Pac-10 or the Big Ten just to see Pac-10. what it's what the Big Ten is like. But what if you fail? What if you do terrible against Michigan? What if you struggle against Ohio State? Then what happens? Well, obviously, if he does it, then he feels pretty confident that he can go in there and, and play as good against those teams as he's played against the uh, Pac-12. But if that happens... Oregon State is not the same as Ohio State. No, it's not. That is true. That is true. Um, then if that happens, he's, well, he's, he's lost millions. But he might make even more millions if being the star of college football next year. That's true, too. And here he is. Oh, it's such an interesting thought. What would you do if you're Caleb Williams? Depends. How is USC squad going to look next year? Are they going to look like a number one preseason now champion? Or are they going to look like this year's squad? Young, kind of inexperienced. That's what I'm looking forward to, Caleb Williams. Because can he beat those Big Ten teams by himself? Or are they going to have a good supporting cast around him? This year, not a great uh, cast around. Last year, pretty good offense, but defense was struggling a little bit. What about the next year? 
So if Caleb Williams, let's say, wins eight or nine games this year, right? Is that he is that more? Heisman. He would have to win ten to eleven games to win the Heisman. I know, but if he wins eight or nine, do you think he still goes? Do you think he goes pro then, or do you I think, think he comes pro. back? I think so, he goes pro. Okay, so you think the only way he stays for another year depends though. is if he has a great season, wins ten or eleven, and then just you know he's he's the best player in college football for two years in a row. Maybe he pulls Tim Tebow, Florida uh, eight team, says, "Hey, we're all going to come back in 09. Let's run it back." Obviously, they didn't win the last championship, but still, hmm. could round back. Uh, Adrian, what do you think Caleb William does? Well, I think uh, I, I would just go into the NFL. I, I know that yeah. he might actually take that pay cut uh, if he goes into the NFL. I like the statement there because he's making a ton in NIL dollars. But still, you you always you play this sport at the college level to get to that NFL level, and all the talk right around you know, do I go? Do I not go? It's probably agent driven. And if that first overall team who's coming up isn't necessarily having a direction of of you know thought where he wants to go in terms of his franchise in the NFL maybe he elects to stay but that would be my only case okay there go now let's talk about the latest with the ACC we're hearing rumors that Cal Stanford and SMU would potentially be going to the ACC it doesn't make sense because it, it doesn't for, make sense Central Atlantic Coast Conference and Cal and Stanford that's all the way in the Pacific. Well, but most of these leagues... Rename the conference. Rename it Conference USA. That makes sense. Well, they can't do that. They get sued. Not, but still. I hope they name it Conference USA. CUSA will sue them and, and, and get a lot of money when it's all said and done. But or here's they the just thing. ask, hey, put UTEP in your conference. The, the, the truth is, the ACC... Exactly. And, I, and I do agree that this would be uh, completely different, but look at what's happening. I mean, you could look at the Big 12 and the Big 10 and... Those leagues are, are completely different, too. And even though they don't specifically have a region name the way the ACC does, it's what, it's what sports is turning into. I would be more than fine with Cal, Stanford, and SMU in the ACC. I think the only thing to get over is, with is named the ACC Atlantic Coast Conference. But if you see Cal go up against a Louisville, you know, that's a little bit of an enticing matchup for kind of balances each other out. SMU versus a Clemson, that could be interesting. So it's not the worst idea. Maybe they can call themselves the American Coast Conference because then you've got got the East and the West together and you still say the ACC. That might work. The American Coast Conference. All right. Uh, Meanwhile, if they do that, can you stay with 15 or do you have to get to 16? I think you have to get to 16. So what do they do? I mean, they're talking about three, not four. Or the better question be someone is... someone who drops. There's going to be someone who leaves the conference. Someone maybe go down to 14, maybe 13 if Clemson and Florida State leave. So That's what I'm thinking, is that they're doing this because they are already seeing in the future that they could lose Clemson and Florida State. But if they do, does Clemson and Florida State end up going to the SEC? I think Florida State, yes. Clemson, I think they like being their little bubble where they get to have easy regular season schedule then go up against postseason guys. So where do you think Clemson goes? I think Clemson can maybe even go independent. That's an interesting idea. But ACC, I think is where they're going to stay put for right now. I think they're going to maybe try to get a Notre Dame team, like a Notre Dame or Notre Dame, to join the ACC. And then Florida State, they can recruit as well as anybody in the country. Makes sense for them to be in the SEC. Let's say SMU leaves the AAC and they go to the ACC. The AAC then will need one team to replace them. Who do you think they get? That's a tough one to think about right now. Ask me about it. Not after this, after this college football season when we realign it done, and then you got teams like BYU in the Big 12, you got teams like Texas and Oklahoma and SEC. Ask me that question then. So here's the thing about SMU, okay? So let's, let's think about this for a minute. The Mountain West has a $30 million exit fee. 
So chances are nobody's going to make a parallel move, spend $30 million, and go from one league to the next, between that league, okay? The league that makes all the sense in the world would be Conference USA because they just lost six of their programs to the AAC, okay? And now you wonder if Conference USA is given an opportunity to replace SMU, could UTEP be that school that ends up going to the AAC? Instead of $800,000 a year for a TV deal, you get closer to $10 million, and you have a much bigger league with a lot of Texas schools like Northwestern, Rice, uh, and UTSA that, that are all there right now. But that just looks the same as Conference USA, because at that point, I think Tulane could join the ACC. That's my answer right there. Tulane, the ACC. So you think Tulane? So that just looks like Conference USA, the rest of the American Conference. Okay, so you think that uh, when the ACC eventually takes it, they take one more team, you know they want Notre Dame. I think Memphis got left out of that big, big 12 expansion. I think they're going to join the Power 5 conference soon. What happens to San Diego State? They also believe that they're Power 5. I think San Diego State, they can end up in that whole ACC expansion again with Stanford, with Cal, with SMU. It's confusing, isn't it? That's why you need a year to worry about this. You don't want to start thinking about this now. That's why I said ask me in a year. This is what we do every day. We play the what-if game here on Sports Talk. That's what we do. We're always wondering, what if this happens? Well, this is what's going to happen then. So that's what we're trying to do. Great talk. The what-if game. Yeah. All right, listen. You've been fun. It's good to see you. It was fun today. It was fun today. One thirty-three drops tonight. YouTube as well as Instagram for the pump dinner videos that we've had a chance to see. Yeah, go watch that. Great episode all around, including the pump dinner interviews. Go watch that. You know what else was fun about this trip this weekend? Seeing you with your family. Isn't it nice when you've got your you got your brothers at Duke? They were with you. You got your parents there. Everybody was there. Your grandfather was there. Your uncle was there. It's nice to have the whole family there, isn't it? It was. And I think you had a good time too. I had a fun blast. Trip. It was I, fun I told trip. you this is a great trip for me. I had so much fun. Yeah. And I liked. You know what else I liked? I liked seeing seeing you in action. That was because I was wondering you were how you were going to handle. And you were, uh, it, was no, it was like no big deal to you. I really, I was impressed with that. Fun experience for sure. It was. The only time I saw you get a little starstruck was when you knew little Dirk was coming Yeah, that way. was the only time I messed up my intro. I said, you know, welcome back to sc- 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 schoolyard sports. Yeah. This time a little Dirk, that's kind of how I did it right there. So, yeah, I was really, really starstruck when I saw him. I can tell. All right, we'll talk to you again hopefully next week. We'll see you then. But, as always, appreciate the time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Adrian. You got it. He's Lane Frank joining us here on Sports Talk. Come back with Tim Haggerty and Chihuahuas Baseball right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Final countdown. Back with Sal Montes for our final few minutes. So you tell me, Sal, as we head to the finish line and yeah. get ready for a busy night of high school football. In fact, that's where Adrian's heading. He's heading to go watch Pebble Hills right now. Yeah, and it's a big game out at the sack. Uh, it's funny. It's the game of the week, but early on this could be um, – it's already game of the year potential. So n- no pressure on those oh, two I like skills. That. But um, it, it's back, man. Can't believe it. Yes, that is, that is good. Ah, this came in on uh, social from Esteban. Love the way Lane shut down your irritating, meaningless speculation. Ask me in a year. All right. (laughs) Well, that's true. Irritating, meaningless speculation. But the truth is, hey, if SMU leaves the American Athletic Conference, they got to find a replacement. And and 
it's crazy because you're not just replacing the team itself. It's the market that you're really re- replacing because SMU how can I say this? Leagues don't want SMU for SMU. They want SMU because of everything around it. It's the Dallas market because if you think about it, SMU is not the most popular college in Dallas. They're further down the road in Austin. Football, forget it. We already know that it's all about the Dallas Cowboys. So they just want that Dallas market. They don't want the Mustangs. That's true. Um, they don't. But anyway. You know who um, is never irritating or meaningless? Tim Haggerty. He is always full of something important and something uh, that uh, is uh, is informational, educational, and sometimes hilarious. When he joins us on uh, the program on Fridays for story time, but Tim Haggerty back with us right now from Southwest University Park. How are you, Hags? I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Adrian Broadus emailed me that tomorrow we have football Friday nights, so uh, sounds like story time's on hold for a week until Friday. Is that right? No. We will uh, do story time early with you, even if it's on the phone, if you oh, have other I'm stuff. I'm glad I asked you that. Yes. I have no plans of doing a story, so uh, I'm glad I asked. All right, I'll to do me, it. To me, story time, you can't just put it on hold. Story time is too good. Too good to hold off. Although, well, let me think for a second. It does seem kind of weird doing story time at 5.15 tomorrow. It's a little early, and you're probably going to be busy. You know what? I'll give you a break. No story time tomorrow. How's that? Okay. I'll make it twice as good on, um, let's see, the 30. Well, it'll be September 1st. It will be September 1st. And by the way, you have a 735 game, which means we'll do uh, high school football at 630. Can you come on with us at 615 a week from Friday from Reno? Yeah, let's do it. 515 Reno time. Yes. Sounds good. All right. So listen. You're off the hook this week. Congratulations. I know that's a that's a, a little stress you don't have to deal with, right? you got enough going on in your life. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, coming up with some kind of story time for tomorrow. Yes, and I'm glad we had this meeting live on the air. I think the audience um, probably really liked it. And I think so, too. I was listening to you um, earlier during your spe- speculation. Um, with all due respect to Esteban, who's a great chihuahuas fan and a great sports talk listener i didn't find you irritating steve so oh well thank you i appreciate that ags and if and if a step on does hey listen that's life pal i mean you know that's that, right um, tough business we're in that's exactly um and i and i do appreciate that though thank you for telling me that um meanwhile uh Sacktown is is uh onto it they, they've you know beaten the chihuahuas two in a row and last night six to one the final score, so hopefully the bats get going today. That's really what I'd like to see. You know, they scored six runs in the first game, looked like they were going to win, but then Sacramento just erupted in the final few innings for those nine runs to win 9-6. to six. They were in cruise control yesterday. We need to see the uh, Chihuahuas get back on track. Yeah, I think last night uh, it was surprising because the Chihuahuas, by and large, have been a good-hitting team, but uh, frankly... Watching last night's game, the offense was a little bit flat. Just three hits, just one run. They still have not been shut out all season in 123 games. Uh, that looked like it might happen last night, but there was a late RBI hit from Daniel Johnson. So I share what you say. I, I hope the bats can come back to life. And it's interesting, this year's Chihuahuas team, they recently had a six-game home sweep versus Round Rock, the same Round Rock team that has won 14 games in a row right now. 
Meanwhile, the Chihuahuas also have one series at home versus Oklahoma City, which is the best team in AAA baseball. And yet Sacramento comes to town, 53-68. and 68. They have the second-worst record in the league, and yet they're handling the Chihuahuas well. Uh, it's been a really interesting quirk about this year's Chihuahuas team. They actually play better against the top teams compared to the bottom teams. Can you imagine if the Chihuahuas end up um, not getting shut out all season and not having a rainout in the same season, how wild that would be? Yes, uh, we are indeed tracking both. That's a good point. And luckily, the fall and winter is long. Maybe I could even look up uh, how rare that's been, a team that never got shut out and never got rained out in a whole season. Well, as far as you know... um, and, and, you know, I'm not trying to, to jinx tonight, but when was the last time the Chihuahuas were blanked at a game? You'd have to go back to last season. Um, I can find that exact date for you. I don't know it off the top of my head, but, uh, yeah, you talk about 122 games, at least a run in all 122. And uh, here tonight they take on Kai Wei Tang, a pitcher they've yet to see. But uh, pretty good lineup out there for the Chihuahuas. Brandon Dixon's back in there. Brett Sullivan is in there. Aggie Rosario is now a member of the Chihuahuas. He's no longer a rehabbing San Diego Padre. Uh, to me, I think he's somebody that's going to heat up. He had a great offensive season last year. So far, he's hitting just 235 in AAA this year. And uh, I think he's someone that maybe is due for a little hot streak. What can you tell me about uh, Ray Patrick uh, Ditter, the uh, shortstop? Yeah, he's been a nice addition. He was at AA San Antonio has come up, has shown some power, three home runs, 15 RBIs, and a month's worth of games. Very good defensive player. Uh, He's been a minor league veteran. He has time in the Atlanta Braves and Miami Marlins organizations. You know, he's the type of guy that is a a grinder, like Matthew Batten. I'd love to see him become another Chihuahua in the majors somewhere with somebody. All right. Hags, we'll talk to you here in just a few. Appreciate the time as always. And, uh, again, looking forward to uh, tomorrow when you will come on right after our Football Friday Night kickoff edition, and then we'll continue with high school football following Chihuahuas baseball. It's going to be fun these next uh, next four or five weeks to have football and baseball together here on Friday nights. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of your Football Friday Night crew, and uh, share what you think on that. Good stuff. Hags in three minutes at the bottom of the hour. We'll do it again tomorrow right back here at 4. For Sal Montes, Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Have a great time, everybody, and enjoy the game.